the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head. Welcome back as we head into hour two. I've been looking forward to this all day. I'm glad he uh, can join us as he does most Wednesdays. That's Congressman David Schweikert representing Arizona's mm-hmm. first congressional <coughs> first congressional district. David, it must be nice to be ba- be able to go back to work, huh? This is what you look forward to? We really <laughs> got to talk about your idea of entertainment. It's a little different than most, I admit. It's a little different uh, than most. But yours is, what? too. I mean, you spend time texting me, uh, what, uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15-figure numbers. Well, well look, um, and for everyone that's listening, um, we started a thing with the Joint Economic Committee where every day we're capturing because we know how we've built the model to do it. Um, what's the tax receipts? How much tax revenue came in today and compare and then add up the year? And then we do the same thing on the spending. And then we have, we send these out to members of Congress and their staff that are interested. My problem is I have only about 15 members of Congress that actually have subscribed to it. So we're just now starting to say, screw them. Excuse me. I Let understand. me take that back. That's okay. Now I'm starting to take the attitude saying, <laughs> We're going to put this into much wider distribution. So we're setting something on the website saying, would you like to know how much debt we've accumulated today and how it looks over the year? But one of the reasons I sent that one to you a couple hours ago is look at the spike. So, so tax receipts are up a lot compared to last year at the same time. But the borrowing is up a half a trillion dollars in three weeks, mm-hmm. a half a trillion mm-hmm. in three weeks. Mm-hmm. And the most difficult part of that is mostly healthcare. Well, so this is what's so daygone interesting to me. And uh, by the, okay, let's stay on it. Then we'll we'll work in reverse. This is what's so gosh darn interesting to me. We um we took in about four point nine, almost five trillion dollars in ta- in revenue last yep. year. I think something like that sounded yep. about right. And about. And yet about 30% of the spending was still borrowed. Okay, but okay, fair enough. My point is this, or question, not point, is shouldn't we be able to run everything for that kind of money? Um, Here's the ugly, ugly reality. We had budgets less than that amount in the two aughts. Sorry. If you get rid of every dime of the Defense Department, so no defense for America, which is the constitutional obligation, and you get rid of everything else in government. Um, uh, uh, that we call discretionary. So there's no White House, there's no Congress, there's no EPA, there's no IRS, there's no Justice Department, there's no State Department. It all goes away. Last year, so all you would have left would be Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, veterans benefits, those things, right? Yep. You still have to borrow $400 billion. Oh, you'd still have to borrow even after receipts. You still have to, you still borrow, have to borrow $400 billion, yeah. even if you wiped out all right. government. Right. And, and defense, too. Interest will be higher than defense this year. Yeah. And, and today we, we were starting to tick back up. We're heading back up to that 5% interest. And why, why ramble on this when we just got a new speaker is it ties together. Yeah. This is Go ahead. my argument 
um, with Mike uh, Mike Johnson, our, our, our new speaker. He, he's a good guy. He's from northern Louisiana, so it's more like Texas. He is, I believe, you know, a, a true man of faith in a very traditional, forgive if I'm going to say this, Bible Belt sort of style. Um, and, he, and he's a friend, um, but he's, he's sort of the constitutional lawyer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do... He doesn't fixate on economics like I do. So right. he and I go around and around. Of course, no on one fixates on <laughs> Well, but, <laughs> I mean, okay. But, but, but we all play point. different yeah. roles here. We all right. have, God gave us all different talents. Correct. You know, mine's more of a calculator. He's a man of, of, of the law. Yep. So are you, actually. Well, don't. That's why you tolerate me. Names, me. please. All right. um, and, and so my mission here is, okay. You made me a promise that we will put together a debt commission so we can accomplish a couple of things. One is educate the American people on what's really driving the debt and and try to see if we can get members of Congress to tell the truth. And number two, put together a plan that stabilizes it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, because people, uh, our brothers and sisters out there have no concept how much trouble we're in, and they don't like it when I say this. It's demographics. Talk to me about what stabilization means, David. Um, okay, let me throw this out. Ten years ago, one out of eight Americans was 65 or older. Okay. Today, so ten years later, um, it's one out of six. Okay. That movement, you know, there's 67 million of us who are baby boomers, and we're moving into your earned benefits. You earned your Medicare. You earned your Social Security. If you served, thank you for doing that. You earned your veterans' benefits. But... We never set aside the money for that, and then with healthcare costs shooting up, and now the dystopian of interest going up, we're heading towards a world where the the number one spenders are going to be it's it's going to be interest, it's healthcare, it will be defense. If you lay out the five biggest spending areas, defense is heading into maybe being the fourth. Yeah. Do you remember there was a time defense was our number one spend? I remember the bumper stickers. Yeah, it would be nice day when we have to hold a bake sale for right the Department of Defense. Yeah, yeah right. And, right. And, and that world is over. Yep. So to get the world to continue to love U.S. debt, be willing to buy our bonds at the cheapest possible rate, you have to communicate to the world where we, we understand the craziness that's coming, the future borrowing that's coming. Um, and here's what we're going to do to stabilize the amount of debt to the growth of the economy. So if you can grow the economy at 2% or 3%, but that actually has to be so your debt is stable. Right now, our interest is more than the growth of the economy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Are we ever going to reach a point, and it won't be with this majority or this thin a majority, I don't expect, but are we ever going to be able to reach a point where we can reform some of these social programs, some of these domestic programs, or is that just such a pipe dream? And, yes. Okay. Um, I actually right now have the mandatory the spending hu- stuff. Yeah, I have the Human and Family Services Subcommittee in Ways and Means doing some math for me, and we're trying to actually calculate what would happen if we just took all the programs – and divide it, the cost of every program. And, and it turns out you got to add in the state, you got to add in the charitables, you got to into the federals, you got to into the tribals, you got to add it all up. Yeah. And, and it's actually harder than because there's hundreds of different programs out there or, or subsets of programs. Mm-hmm. Add it all up. 
and then divide it number of Americans they're actually helping. And we're trying to actually get what's the true spending per person. Yeah. Um, the preliminary number is just crazy, so I, we're vetting it. But it, that should give you a sense that the way we're doing it, we've built a huge bureaucracy that we're financing, mm-hmm. not necessarily the outcome of making people less poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Not ma- not the outcome of making people less poor. But or more, th- more prosperous is the more that, elegant that, That's another way to put it, yeah, which is uh, attendant to the issue that you're so good on, which is growth, the word that we just seem not to hear enough about anymore. I, it really is odd. You know, I, I've been given a few speeches lately. I don't know, is it speech? Are you giving more speeches in district than you used to I've be? Been I've been trapped here in D.C. for a few – Yeah, So they're sending me like, in. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. Okay. That's and okay. I, and it, look, it goes with the job. I was making I, the I, point, I, though, that, you know, I'm you just don't – no, my only point is just one of the points I, was, I stumbled on it when I was talking about a Q&A, one of these meetings about growth and reform and growth. And it dawned on me, you know, that's not a word you hear much anymore. People used to no. talk about that in our movement. Well, it used to be the mantra of the Republican yeah, Party. Right. We set people free by opportunity. Right. They entrap people by, you know, um, you know crushing them with uh, addiction to sort of, you know, the state. Yeah. Um, there, there are good things happening out there, but the window of opportunity to execute on these good things gets shorter and shorter. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and we have the demographic curve is a real problem. The number of children, you know, we've had in the society the last couple of decades has fallen so much. Yep. Um, get, there, but there's some really neat things out there. There's some amazing breakthroughs in health and technology. If you could ever get a Congress that would think and get out of its way and, and allow the American people to prosper, and that's that's my fixation. Mine too. Mine too. It is, it, it is what we were built to do. It is what we were meant to do. David, God bless. All right, you got a new speaker. Go get to work. Yes, and, and to work we are. We, we, we actually, believe it or not, we got a speaker, and then we started holding hearings. Yeah, I understand. All right. All right, All right brother. Bye now. <laughs> All right. Seth Leapson, 602 508 I just like listening to her. Can you blame me? We have 60 seconds worth. Do we? Well, I won't do that. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Demetrius is in Phoenix. Hello, Demetrius. How are you, Seth? How are you doing? Fine. I'm fine. How are you? Uh, you, you know, know what? I'm it's time good. for the Dennis Prager answer. I'm fine. My country is not. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just going through. It. I'm just going through my day, and uh, you know, trying to keep up with things on uh, what's happening in Israel, and uh, having friends and family there. You know, it's. Uh, it's uh, pretty hard. It's pretty hard. Uh, uh, it's so hard that I don't know a single Jewish American that isn't traumatized to some degree or another, and a lot of non-Jewish Americans. Uh, I wish I could I'm, say the same for our country's youth. I'm, I'm not traumatized. I'm just, you know, I'm just... Uh, uh, 
I'm just depressed. It may, yeah, it may I mean, not be I the right see. word. It traumatized me. Affected in one way or another. Affected in I, one I, way I or another. The you... first person who called me after October 7th, after learning of October 7th, the first person who called me is a friend in Washington saying, I just never thought this would happen. I just never thought this would happen again. No, but, uh, you know, like, uh, you know... You I know, thought the uh, pogroms we were to... in... The, he said, I thought the pogroms were in the history books. Yeah. They're always going to be there. Uh-huh. They're, they're always... That's that's our history. Yeah. We have we have battled uh, the world. Some people love us, but most people hate us. It raises I'm, this interesting I, question. Someone wrote the other day, I don't remember who, it might have been... Well, I just, I won't, it doesn't matter, because uh, I, I can't remember anyway, so it doesn't matter. But the point was interesting. Jew, Jews are being considered settlers in Israel now in a land called Judea. Where would they not be? No, but no, but the, the second part of this is even more interesting, given what you just said. You know, the history of the Jewish people is the history of, 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 of atrocity. Where would they not be settlers? Where would they not be? Um. If they're settlers in Judea, where would they not be settlers? It's an interesting question. They, they don't want us to be a people. Yeah. They don't want us to exist. Yeah. And I'm an American, yeah, of proud course. American. Of course. And, uh, and it's hard for me to sit back and uh, listen and not, to, not to, to rage. You know, and I'm going, uh, what's wrong is wrong. And don't you see the wrong? I, I mean, you know, how many more? How many more Jewish lives? How many more Palestinian lives? You know, Hamas should be destroyed. There's an I interesting. Mean, look what done uh, to their own I, people. There's a really interesting. I mean, everyone has seen versions of this. The most recent one someone sent to me this morning. You know, the journalist Piers Morgan, sometimes good, sometimes yes, not so yes. good, but Piers Morgan. He has a show in Great Britain. He had about a 15 minute interview with a uh, Palestinian rapper. lawyer. Did you see it? Um, I didn't see the one with the lawyer. I saw the one with the rapper. No, not that uh, one. No, this was with the lawyer. And uh, he said, um, before we get started, and I'm open to every claim of grievance on behalf of the Palestinians you have, will you denounce what happened on October 7th? And she said, her response was, why is that the starting point for this conversation? He said, because it's the starting point of this month, and it's the starting point of this interview. Will you do that? Will you at least, before we get into everything else you want to say, denounce October 7th as inhumane and an atrocity? For 14 minutes, she wouldn't do it. She would not do it. And so when you ask what's wrong with this world, there's a starting point, too. Yeah. Did you see the interview uh, with the Queen of Jordan? Yes, I did. I couldn't believe it. I, I, almost, I could. I almost fell out of my chair. I could believe it. I could believe it. I could believe it. You know, it. I just went, wow. What I can't believe I just, is the college campuses. I get the Arab mindset, and I get that. Uh, that I mean, Jordan is its own fiction. You know, talk about colonial settler. What right does Jordan have? You know, 75% of Jordan is Palestinian. 75%. But you know what? You know who isn't? The ruling family. The monarchy in Jordan. They are not Palestinian. 
who's the who's who's the who's 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 the settler and who's not the settlers are in power in jordan well um they they have no right to govern they have no right to that whole family that whole family is there just by dint of british imposition well, you know the thing that I'm. You want colonialism? Now that's colonialism. That's imperialism. Yeah, sure. But it because is. it's Arab. But because it's Arab, the Palestinians don't give to you know what's. You know, uh, well, what, look at look at our own representatives. You know, look at our own representatives, Talib. You know, uh, why isn't she censured? Why isn't she held to account? Why does she pre- uh, keep uh, proposing the lies? That she exposed on on television, and then when confronted with the facts, she still is perpetuating the lies. Why isn't she censured? Well, why isn't, why isn't I, she I, I'm then? thinking she may be. Uh, she, keep in mind, we had no ability for the last three weeks for other reasons. <laughs> you know, right? Uh, it may come up now. Um, it may come up now. There are motions to do it. It's too bad we couldn't have done it sooner. But she is maintaining the lie, of course, that Israel is responsible for the bombing in Gaza of that hospital. And um, people are buying that lie. That's one of the most dangerous things about these lies. They do cost lives. These lies do cost lives. That energized so much throughout the Middle East when the BBC and the New York Times ran with it. There's a lot of accountability to go around on this belief in the lie. There's an odd... Not odd, I'm sorry. There's a, a uh, off-and-on clip of Dennis Prager uh, as a promo running right now saying, if this were World War II, how quickly would we swallow the news from Berlin as to what Germany is suffering? Why do we so quickly side with the side of inhumanity funded by Iran and dedicated to the genocide of an entire people. The Hamas covenant, the Hamas charter, is about eliminating Jews throughout the world. And that's whose health statistics we're running with? That's whose narrative newspapers run with? And look all the, the while their defenders they're all the while their defenders claim they're the ones under genocide as their population has increased fivefold over the last two decades? It makes no sense. And, uh, of course, the U.N., you know, uh, I couldn't believe what the, uh, uh, the, the Secretary General the, was the saying. The U.N. is, as George Will once put it, nothing more than a gargle of third world authoritarianism. We should be out of it. We should be out of it completely. Well, well said. Well said. Thank you, well, Demetrius. I just want to let you know that uh, keep praying yep. and uh, be strong. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Bless Thank you. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Good find, Grasshopper. Good find. Can we keep that? I bet that? you like that. That's from American Bandstand in 1970. There's a nice black and white video of a bunch of people in afros dancing with it. Can we keep it? Oh, sure. Those are not drums. What? Those are not drums. They're not? Oh, dear. I was afraid this would happen. I was afraid. Afraid what would happen? You know, when you get on my case about not watching the things you send to me 
on instant message as quickly as you want me to watch them. <laughs> that is a road that runs two ways. So yesterday, in a discussion of Simon and Garfunkel, you and between you and me and a mutual friend of ours named Steve, we engaged you on instant message. Oh, we had some great stuff. And, well, we did. Your responses were lame. And you, we you were, had, some, and it got into a Simon and Garfunkel discussion about what. Good, uh, oh, just hold on. Yeah, yeah. I'll turn. You'll you'll have you'll have your say in a minute. It turned into a discussion of what were some of the best songs of Simon and Garfunkel because Steve dissents on Cecilia, and we, Steve and I, the adults in the room, agreed that the most underrated Simon and Garfunkel song is "April Come She Will" from 1966, also in The Graduate. Underrated. And that I'm not done. Okay. And we said, if you haven't, if you aren't familiar with it, run, don't walk. And hours passed, and then we made fun of the hours of passage before you responded because you're always on our case for not jumping onto the instant messages you send. And then your response was, "I've seen it. I've heard it," and it was underwhelming to say the least. <laughs> It's like, did you hear about, you know, Moses splitting the Red Sea? Yeah, I heard about it. Did you hear about the moon landing? Yeah, I heard about it. I love this. It yeah. required a little more than, yeah, I heard it. It was totally pathetic on your part that you just, you, you think this instant message response goes two ways. So when I sent you this morning a thing about Paul Simon saying they weren't drums on Cecilia in an interview he was doing with Howard Stern, that idiot who thought they were drums, substantiating his idiocy, you're now asking me, they weren't drums? So this this little Instagram <laughs> game, this little instant message game of yours runs in two directions. Don't worry, the war continues. This is only a battle, folks. <laughs> anyway... I think that April Come She Will is appreciated. I've heard that as one of the few songs that uh, younger intellectual, you might even call them indie people, uh, do one, know of it, Simon and Garfunkel. It's one of the greatest weddings of cinematography and music as it's played oh, in The Graduate. Oh, the entire Graduate uh, album well, is great. Well, sure, but that We talked about this in May. <laughs> in May, not in April. Oh, yes. Well. <laughs> in, in May, we may have. But that song in particular, the way they do the cinematography around that and the entering and entering and the time, the nonlinear element of time. Are you down with that whole conversation? We need to have a conversation about time being not linear. Time being not linear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a deep conversation that needs to be had on this show. Uh, and it goes – That's false. I would care for you to try to explain to me why time is not linear. We can talk about the poems of Eliot. We can talk about the novels of Kurt Vonnegut. We can talk about all kinds. I would like we can to talk about the Bible. You're the son of a CC writer. You, among others, should this know well. This is why I understand full well that you cannot trans. You cannot transverse an infinite. I that's why time is not linear. That, that, I mean, yeah, time that's is linear. You that's and Lewis why. Holman, you can talk about transversing infinite. In, 
What infinite? I I don't understand that. I understand that you can be your explanation. Unstuck in time. First of all, can we finish our current discussion and then go into break? What was it? Then we'll discuss time. I don't want to in the future, which is linear. I would like to uh, implore to you that. there are great songs on the the Graduate soundtrack. Oh, and, really? Uh, oh, you and okay. I disagree <laughs> okay. on our on our love of yes. this one. I would like to implore <laughs> their songs. That's not one of them. I never want to hear that song again. <laughs> that is the worst of the Simon and Garfunkel. And I book. love this song. Never. And the uh-uh, cinematography awful. in this scene. No, it's not. And you taught me something. Never again. That he yes. was going the incorrect direction in his Alfa Romeo. Yeah, that's right. Driving to Berkeley in the wrong direction. And wrong direction by having this song. Never again with this one. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems, enforcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter. From draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small business, changed election laws, Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power, and their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? Convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They've been used to store wealth throughout history. Thousands of you have trusted the veterans at Midas Gold Group, like Seb Gorka and myself, because they're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Call Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. Yes, David? What? You um, want more on time? Yes, I do want more on time. How are we doing on time? <laughs> well, you asked who, of course, could be so silly as to think time isn't linear. Einstein would be one of them in his theory of relativity. Um T.S. Eliot and the Four Quartets. Are you familiar with T.S. Eliot, The Wasteland, The Four Quartets? T.S. Eliot of Alice in Wonderland. No, Alice in Wonderland is not T.S. Eliot. No, who is T.S. Eliot's the poet? Poet. Yeah. Yes. What? What did the he four, do then? The, the Wasteland. Something else than that. Proof Rock. Anyway. The Four Quartets. Time present and time past are both perhaps present in time future. And time future contained in time past. If all time is eternally present, all time is unredeemable. What might have been is an abstraction remaining a perpetual possibility only in a world of speculation. That's the beginning of one of the great pieces of poetic literature in the Western world. That's very cute. It's not cute. But it is not logical. Well, okay. You want to have a fight with Albert Einstein? How about Kurt Vonnegut? Did you read any of his stuff growing up? Can't say that I have. Well, no. it's interesting. Well, you have you read the short story Harrison Bergeron? That will blow you away. Send it to me. Please. Send it to you. Okay, sure. If only there was a way to access it. I'm accessing my Seth library card right now. Please punch the book in the page and uh, issue it to me this afternoon. <laughs> we talk a lot about it on this show. I should do another reading of it. It's an amazing dystopian short story that's so... Uh, defines our time. Um, it, it it's about it's about a, a government that won't let you think the thoughts that you want to think. It won't let you have peace in your head or in your mind. Uh, it's the definition of the crisis industrial complex. 
I believe 1961 is when he first wrote it. Okay, it sounds really interesting. It is really interesting. It'll take you 10 minutes to read, and it'll change your kind of life. A Fahrenheit 451 kind of. Uh, it's, yeah, it, but but yes. yeah, even even really more poignant. And I'm sending it to you now. Ah, see, which, based on worked. our which based on our previous discussion means you'll say tomorrow. Eh, read it. Yeah, I read previously it. previously discussed that my evening tonight is booked. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, because you're going dancing, and there I will be— I could dance with a book in my hand. No, it's not a book. It's, it's a short story. But I prefer to story. dance with a girl in my hand. But you will be home after the dance, and you can read it. It's so important. Harrison, Everyone in the audience should read Harrison Bergeron, B-E-R-G-E-R-O-N, Kurt Vonnegut. The reason I was asking if you had never read Kurt Vonnegut, though, is because in my generation— I'm a generation or two above you, am I? Am I one generation above you? Maybe more. One and a half? Yeah, yeah, maybe <laughs> one and a half. Um, everyone in high school read Kurt Vonnegut. He was one of these cult-type-like figures. And books like Breakfast of Champions, Slaughterhouse-Five. And there's a really interesting documentary on him you should watch called Unstuck in Time. He was probably the most successful, one of the most successful novelists of the 20th century, easily one of the most successful novelists of the 20th century. There was a time when every, everyone would have read him uh, under the age of 20. He was just popular amongst high school and college students, cranked out books like nobody's business. And he, he had this, this view that nothing in the world is ever final and that uh, no one, no, no, nothing ever ends. We, we keep bouncing back and forth in time. Things go on ad infinitum. It was an interesting theory, but it was based also on Albert Einstein and on T.S. Eliot. So there, time is relative, or at least not. Well, linear. the mathematician can add by infinity, divide by infinity, minus infinity. But to transverse an actual infinity is impossible. I don't know what that means. Quit if there's an it. infinite amount of time between every single second, then it's impossible to transverse an actual Infinity. I wanted to read to you what the linguist John McWhorter wrote. Are you familiar with his work? He's a linguist at Columbia University on the weaponization of language. He wrote, some leftists are framing Hamas's killing of 1,400 Israelis and abduction of 222 more as decolonization, believing they're championing the cause of oppressed Palestinians when in reality these leftists are condescending to them. Mass murder, these leftists suggest, is the understandable consequence of colonization. Such a perspective is deeply insulting. It implies to Palestinians. It implies that Palestinians are so controlled by circumstance that they lack agency. It implies that Palestinians cannot be expected to behave according to the same ethical standards of those who refrain from mass murder. The argument that terrorism is an understandable or justifiable reaction to an insidious root cause is nothing new. Although obviously on a vastly different magnitude of wrongdoing, we see something similar when progressives excuse criminal behavior perpetrated by black Americans, McWhorter writes. Amid the riots that broke out after George Floyd's murder, some argued sincerely that the looting and vandalism, generally in neighborhoods in which people of color reside, was a constructive statement of protest. I even think of black California Representative Maxine Waters doing the electric slide with Crips and Bloods gang members in 1992 in Los Angeles in the wake of the riots, assaults, and destruction that followed the exoneration of the officers who attacked 
Rodney King, that these gang members had murdered people on the street was less important to her than the fact that the black streets had risen up against a white oppressor. The root cause reasoning we learn in sociology class has or should have limits. Barbarism is not progress, he writes. Um, it's a it's a tremendously great essay. I'm only giving you a part of it, um, and you can get it at the free press, thefp.com. John McWhorter, um, interesting guy. I've known him almost his whole career. I knew him when he was a teacher at UC. Uh, he's now at Columbia University. I brought him in to give a talk. I gave a, I, I put together a, in Washington, D.C., I put together a day-long conference on patriotism, and I had him in to talk on it. I don't remember exactly the specific nature of his talk. It was a really good, good, good talk. It was a really, really good conference, too. I think we had Phoenix. I think Lisa Graham Keegan was there too. Brought in a Phoenix element. Irving Crystal, Walter Burns. It was a great conference. Anyway, check it out at the Free Press. John McWhorter, really smart. I think not on that one. It's just some other stuff is just too depressing. Our great friend Steve likes this one. I understand. He also likes Bob Dylan. We tolerate <laughs> but don't endorse everything Steve likes. It's a touchy likes. subject, isn't it? It yeah, is. Yeah. We tolerate. Toleration is not endorsement in this context. Although uh, I got to say, he, he is the uh, one person that showed me uh, the probably the most pro-Zionist song ever, Neighborhood Bully. <sighs> Portions of this show are brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. Y-Refi, they are a great company. They're based here locally. They invite you to stop by. They're on Scottsdale Road and the 101. You won't get a sales pitch from them. They won't ask you to sign anything. They just like talking about what it is that they do. They do a lot in the community. They're very active in the community, uh, and uh, they have a great investment. It's in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return. How high? 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. And the investment is not correlated to the stock market or the federal Reserve. Think of this flexibility. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal, no penalty if you need your money back at any time. And there are no fees in their secure collateralized portfolio. So check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. I will expect from you... Young David, a report on Harrison Berger on tomorrow. Um, it won't take you that long to read. Go dancing with the people from Shul. If they show. Dance I hope they do. The Hara, dance, Zaina, 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 whatever you guys do, have fun, and go home and read Harrison Berger on. And you will perfectly understand my description of the crisis industrial complex and how we are meant to live in a frenzy now and how unhealthy it is and that's Kurt Vonnegut 1961 everyone should read it I want to have a massive discussion on it tomorrow I would love to have a massive discussion on time still <laughs> what more is there to be said you have to read T.S. Eliot's like four quartets to call to the defense Aristotle and mathematics and physics in which he said that uh, actual infinities cannot exist because they are paradoxical it is impossible to say that you can always take another step or add another member in a completed set with a beginning and end, unlike a potential infinite. Of course, he probably said that in Greek. Well, he probably wrote it in Greek, and it's, I'm guessing, from his physics, right? 
Yes. Yeah. You know, Aristotle's worth studying, and the best book ever written, according to Harry Jaffa, was the Nicomachean Ethics. Ethics. Yeah. Never did we really get too deeply into the physics because that's like your stuff. That's that's My a different stuff. brain. Yeah, that's Lewis I haven't Holmes even read stuff. physics. I just know about this. No, you I just Googled and did a popsicle stick Aristotle read to come to your defense no, 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 no. I against me and this. Einstein I and Kurt Vonnegut. I uh, source it. But I read metaphysics. It's, it's actually not that clear what Aristotle believed about time because he wasn't sure of what the starting point was, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm usually not. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.